All right, uh, welcome to the Eric J. The Great Podcast Show. Uh, got a special guest here on the show today, music artist, NPR Richie Rich. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right, man. Everything good. You know what it is. The one and only the GOAT. I'm in the building, NPR Richie Rich, man. What's popping? Yeah, man, just taking it day by day, man. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Uh, any uh, for any, For anybody out there, uh, but doesn't know who this is. We'll start off by playing one of his uh, hit songs, and then uh, we'll get into his whole story. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, Granny. <laughs> we really made it. No kidding. sliding on ops and all that stuff but you know uh exactly it's, it's good to hear you know a beat music that give you that good energy you know what i'm saying where you could just just vibe out in the car you ain't got to be having these negative thoughts on your mind you know what i'm saying exactly, <laughs> exactly. no and that's that's like high b for real all the time it's like they they you know when you get into it everybody started off I mean, most people start off with that just because that's what's going on. So it's like you kind of got to feel your own wave, your own pattern, your own situation and kind of change the narrative. And that's kind of where you get that type of a song coming from me because I'm originally from Detroit. So, of course, I come from an area in a situation where those are the things we experience, those are the things we come from. But it's like, is that what I want to be giving my message to the people and to the youth and to the next generation is like it can change you know and I would rather people look at something with inspiration and look at something with hope and look at something with a mindset of doing better and celebrating versus just the negativity that we gotta go against every day anyway oh yeah absolutely so man we start from the beginning man tell the people where you're from and uh how old are you Oh, yeah, I'm from Detroit. 
born and raised uh, the West Side, Plymouth and Greenfield. I didn't been a little bit of everywhere outside of Detroit. I didn't been, I didn't lived in Omaha. I didn't lived in Kalamazoo, Battle Creek, Atlanta, LA. I didn't been in a whole bunch of places, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, but that's where my basis is from. It's from Detroit, and I currently reside in Atlanta. And I'm 34 right now. Okay, that's what's up. So, uh, when you think of your hometown, man, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, when I think of my hometown, the first thing that comes to my mind is my grandmother, because uh, that's where I was raised at with her, and that's kind of where the living the moment stems from. And at the end of the day, it's like that granny we made it. That was me explaining to the world, and not only to the world, but to my grandmother as well, like, you know, we was counted out in multiple different situations and we made certain situations like when I went to the military, they was proud, you know what I'm saying? But then when I went to prison, they were sad. So it's like when you do certain things throughout life, you kind of get these ups and downs. And I felt like this was my moment. This is where I made it at. You feel me? So that's where I come with that. Okay. So for anybody that never been to Detroit, man, just uh, kind of just explain, you know, the struggles and circumstances that you went through as a kid slash teenager growing up there every everyday African-American kid? Yeah, um, for the most part, when I think back and look at Detroit as a kid, it brings me back to, like, the things that I thought was reality that was only environmental. And when I say that, I'm saying when I was coming up, I thought hustling and uh, gambling and hanging out on the block and riding bikes and doing certain things, stealing was a part of how America worked in a sense because I was only subject to a small area. And as I got older, I started realizing none of the things that I really grew up on, you know, from even the schools that we went to being low class schools, low education levels, you know, not being the top tier of what education could be. As I got older, I started realizing it was just the product of my environment that I thought those things was how life worked. I thought that the world outside of my neighborhood didn't exist. I thought the next neighborhood over was against me. I thought the two neighborhoods down the block was against me because it was put to us that this was our rock. This was our standpoint. This was our, where we, what we protecting for the situation of a neighborhood. And I had to learn that that was all mental subjection that they instilled into us to believe that that's how it was when really the world is so big. It's a Walmart on in every city. It's a McDonald's on 10, 20 different corners, but that McDonald's that I used to go to every day, I thought that was almost the only one type of type of vibe at the end of the day. I, I put so much strength and thought process into this is my neighborhood that I kind of didn't really see the big picture that we didn't own nothing in that neighborhood. So how was that our neighborhood? You know, we was renting and everybody else was renting. So it was like, we didn't understand back then that what ownership meant, what actually having something to stand on and having family 
and responsibilities is. So I think that's what, when I look back at Detroit and be like, dang, it really molded me to believe a certain way. But now I can use those same things to prosper in life because that gives me that same hunger. That hunger that I had from struggling, now I use that within music. I use that within the military. I use that within life and with my raising my own family. So learning those things actually helped me get to a certain point to where I can do things that somebody else that never struggled the way that we struggled, where we having to make sandwiches from just mayonnaise and, and bread or ketchup and just bread, you know what I'm saying? Coming from those type of struggles and realizing lights was getting cut off and gas was getting cut off and homes was getting uh, having to move from house to house. Learning those things showed me that it wasn't really that. That's how life works. I thought that was how life works. Nowadays, I move because I'm buying another property versus I'm moving because I'm getting put out of property. So it was just learning certain things from going through those struggles showed me certain things to show my kids and, and, and my nephews and nieces that life ain't really a struggle. Life is really what you make it. Yeah, absolutely. I can feel that. There's a lot of product of environment. <laughs> So as far as um, you say you were with your grandmother, so you didn't have a two-parent household. Where was your mom and dad in the picture? Um, At one point, my mom was out doing different things. And then another point, my dad was locked up. So they both were in my life, but they just weren't there at that certain activity part, you know? So my dad had gotten a, in trouble a couple of different times so he was out doing certain things my mom was getting in trouble and working and doing different things so it was like they had us at a time where they didn't really understand I guess what to really do with us during that time because life was moving so fast you're talking about the late 80s early 90s and so much different things was going on that when you look at the big picture it's like during those times, your grandparents raised a lot of all my friends was raised by our grandparents. You get what I'm saying? Because our parents were either a busy working or b busy being in trouble. And those were things that hindered the kids from actually being raised by their parents, because that was the time that everybody was getting raised by their grandparents. And that's just kind of the narrative that's going on. OK. So did you, uh, how many siblings did you have? I have four other siblings, so it's five of us all together. But at my grandma's house now, you're talking about it was 18 of us because my aunts and uncles also had kids as well. So they was all in the same boat. So it was many times that my grandmother's house would have 18 kids at it. You know what I'm saying? And we all figuring out life and, you know what I'm saying? Figuring out what's going on. Like, we would be the deepest on the block because it was so many of us. But our other friends, you know, they might got four or five cousins. So we, when we come out and we want to play basketball or football or baseball or do something that we want to do, like, it's 50 of us automatically just based off of everybody at their grandma house. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can I can see what that looks like. Yeah, it was a lifestyle. <laughs> it was crazy. 
Yeah, so as far as uh, activities, man, when you was a kid, did you uh, play any sports? Yeah, yeah, I was big on basketball, man, and it's a funny story. I actually was real good at basketball, and the thing was, I was just short for a long time. I didn't get no height until, like, going into the 11th grade. I mean, leaving the 11th grade, going to the 12th grade, so... Like the tenth grade, I was still only like four or nine in the tenth grade, so I was super short. But I was cold with basketball, so I always wanted to play uh, on an actual basketball team. But I was always too short, so it was always an issue with that situation when it came to uh, sports that was organized, of course, with like high school and things of that nature. So what happened was when I was going to the twelfth grade. They was like, yo, they wanted to put me on a team. But I was over playing organized sports at that point because I was so short all the way up until then that they wasn't really letting me be on the team. And when they tried to get me to get on the team, like from the 11th to the 12th grade, like I went from 4'9 and that summer I just grew up to fucking six foot tall. So it was like, how the heck did you just grow? It was a crazy growth sport in one year span. And that kind of made me not really want to do it because I had been out of it so long. I learned so many other things to do. Now I'm trying to get money. Now I'm gambling all the time. So it was like I just lost the passion for playing sports because of the simple fact that I was looked at as too small for the sports at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You used to have a lot of those around where I'm from. <laughs> a lot of people that was just too small. That could have been the most athletic person, but sometimes that size catch up with you. Yeah, that's what it was. So um, as far as your close immediate family and um, just close friends, people in your circle, did you have anybody when you was growing up that was involved in the music business or were you the first one to go down that route? Yeah, yeah. I was really like the first one to really go down that route. Um and it just really was something that sparked my interest while I was sitting down doing time. Like, I never really wanted to be a rapper like that because I was getting money and doing other things. That's why I went to the military and all of that. So it never really was something that I wanted to do until I was sitting down and I was like, how do I come back from what I'm in and do something positive? and something somebody can be proud of me for and something that I can actually pass along and inspire other people to change their narrative because sometimes you just don't know no better and you get into things and not understand the consequences and what you really, what road you're really going down. And that's kind of what sparked the interest of me doing music because I didn't know I would love music the way that I did until I was sitting down and we freestyling all the time and then I got to writing and then that's kind of like made it a passion and once I set my mind to it like nah this is what I'm gonna do it was like it, it just it was already a part of me because I was already into the fashion into jewelry into clothes into cars into uh the music like listening to it and always studying it so it just only made sense that i take it and make it a career out of it oh yeah absolutely so so who were some of your favorite artists uh growing up who you like listening to 
Um, some of my favorite growing up would be like the Jay Z's, the Lil Wayne's. Um, I would say DMX. Um, you know, I listened to Pac and Big, but not as much as what the generation before me, because I'm more of a Lil Wayne era, more of a Jay Z era. Um, then you got uh people like Wiz Khalifa, Gucci Man. Like I listened to a lot of that. Uh, coming up and then as I was older about 17 18 that's where the Wiz Khalifa's the Gucci Mans and 50 Cent and Rick Ross like all of that came into play Kanye of course so yeah yeah absolutely so uh, where did you get your rap name from my rap name now in the beginning of it is Money Power Respect that's my label and my uh, company that I kind of built with my mans when we were younger like that was our name and tag that we was running with and now the Richie Rich part comes from the actual character the Richie Rich like when I was saying that I was going to be a rapper I was like my favorite character was Richie Rich and I always wanted that type of a lifestyle no matter if I thought that I was living it or not like as a kid if you ever watched that movie, it's like, you know how that kid lifestyle was. It was just magnificent. And that's how I kind of seen my life. And that's kind of what I wanted my life to. character turning into the actual real life like living the lifestyle of the richie rich you know and the funniest thing about that is when i originally named myself that now i was going off of the movie as a kid and remembering that was my favorite movie and probably a year ago maybe a year ago i watched the movie again as an adult and i was like what this kid didn't even like his life but as a kid you thought he had the best life because of the riches and the fame and what he you know what i'm saying what the movie presented but then as an adult when i watched it i watched a whole different complete picture of what this movie was about and it was a complete transition from me being a kid to me being an adult understanding the concept of that movie as an adult it was like his parents was struggling, trying to fight off the things that people was just trying to take from them. This kid didn't really like his life because he was excluded, but he was super rich, so he couldn't really fit in. And it was like for me to really realize the difference as an adult from what I've seen as a kid was kind of crazy to me. And I was like, this is a crazy twist to this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I know they can throw you for a loop. Yeah, for sure. Because you're seeing a whole different perspective as an adult. You're looking at it as the adult situation. When I was a kid, the adults, I probably missed everything they was ever going through or doing. I only seen it as this kid that was lit back then. So it was like that whole perspective, that was crazy. Like To yeah. understand that as an adult, the kid didn't even like his life. Yeah, I think it's like that with any type of classic movie, like like all the Fridays, Baby Boys and stuff. You watch yeah. that kid, you like, 
oh yeah, this jump funny. But then when you watch it as a dog, like, dang, these dudes was really poor. This dude was a punk right here. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you see all of the you see all of the stuff for reality as an adult, but you you missed it all as a kid. It was it was a good movie or a funny movie or something. And it's just because your perspective of life changes from a kid to an adult. You think completely differently. So now that you can think differently, you see it now. And you like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, take me back to the time when you went to a recording studio for the first time. Was it, uh, I had to imagine it had to have been after you uh, did your time. So what, uh, was it kind of a rough patch for you trying to catch on how to record or was it uh, easy for you to catch on when you first went to a record studio? Yeah, that was that's a good question, actually, because the first time I went to a recording studio, I couldn't catch what I was doing for nothing. Like, it was like, bro, I'm in there eight hours a day trying to catch the concept of how these people are recording and rapping, because you got to imagine this is the funniest part. Like, I got like seven books of written raps that I wrote while I was locked up. But then... None of those were to no beats. So now I come home trying to put these to beats and it doesn't work at all. So I had to learn all new techniques from what I was doing there to what I was doing because this was my first time ever recording and ever really writing. So I had to learn that that what I did then was so much just practice for me to actually get out and then start writing to beats and start learning how to flow and get the rhythm and the style to each particular beat because every beat gonna give you a different vibe, gonna give you a different flow, gonna give you a different rhythm. And that's what I had to learn coming out. And it was like, when I first was rapping, it sounded like I was reading, cause I was, I was literally trying to read it cause I didn't have the skill of flowing with the beat at that point. Like I didn't have the style or the swag or the, way to ride the beat like I didn't know how to do none of that so in the beginning it was like every when I'm sending people my first song they like bro stop reading the <laughs> like we can tell you reading the lyrics and I'm like I'm trying my best to sound not like I'm reading what they could tell you know and it was like I didn't have the flow I didn't have the delivery so it probably took me a good year year and a half before I really understand how to have flow and have delivery and how to master the actual tones and, and ride the beat and give that swag and that cadence to each rhythm and uh, beat that I was rapping to. So that was definitely a, a, a real rough patch in the beginning. And I ain't gonna lie, I had a lot of people telling me like, nah, bro, this ain't, this ain't what you need to be doing. And I had to fight through that because nobody knew me for music, you know? So I had to allow them to grow with me at the end of the day. It's just like when I said I wanted to go to the military, nobody was for it because I was one of the first in our generation to go to the military for my family. So it was like, you going to the military? Nah, during the war? Uh-uh, that's crazy. So if they wasn't going to accept that, they definitely wasn't going to accept this because it was something new to them. They didn't know me for this. So it was like that... I had to show them that it was worthy of it. And I mean, to get to where I am today and still be independent, still be rocking out, still be rocking stages and 
making new contacts, making new connections, building with new people. Like it's it's all a dream come to reality at the end of the day. But that rough patch was definitely there for about a good year, year and a half. I had to really learn how to get in there and compete with what everything was already going. Cause you know, when you coming out, you trying to mimic styles and you trying to catch ways of what's working. You feel me? Because that's the only thing to do. Cause you don't have a style in the beginning. You just hear what you like and you kind of mimicking that in the beginning. And that's where it all started from me mimicking things to turn it into my own style, to turn it into my own reality. Absolutely. So uh, as far as your process, man, are you more of a writer or freestyle or is it like a mixture of both? I'm more of a writer um, in a sense because even when I'm writing, I'm freestyling. It's just it's being freestyle written down. It's like I'm not somebody who the reason why I don't just go in the booth and just freestyle, which I can because I freestyle to write at the end of the day because I'll go over lines six, seven times before I actually write it down. That's kind of how I get the pattern of what I'm going to say. But the reason why I don't do that in a studio because it'll take a studio session from an hour of me or 30 to 45 minutes of me actually going in there with written to a session that's three, four or five hours because I'm trying to freestyle because I'm trying to go through all of those phases of catching that right beat, catching that right wave, catching that right cadence, catching that right pattern. And it's just like, that's it. I'm not in the music for, to be the best freestyle artist, to be the coldest rapper alive. Like that ain't really what I'm in it for. I'm more in it for a legacy and for people to understand that you can come from where I come from and do what I'm doing and have confidence in it because I've done it at the end of the day. There is no cheat code to it. It's like, you got to put the time in, you got to put the work at the king, you got to put the patience in, you got to, you got to get the no's to get the yeses at the end of the day. And that's kind of what I'm in music for is for the legacy. So I don't look at it for people to be like, Oh, he was the greatest freestyler on the earth. And I'm like, nah, I just want to be, known for what I've done and get credit for where I'm at and, and, and showing people like it's a way like don't ever count yourself out it may not be music it may be basketball it may be football but I'm here to show them that it's not an age limit to it it's not a situation to it it's not a because you've never been in certain positions it's not none of that has to do nothing it's your hunger it's your patience it's your grind it's your hustle it's your determination your dedication your motivation it's those type of things that's gonna allow you to be where i'm at in whatever career field it is not just music oh yeah absolutely so what would you uh just like anything else you got to build confidence in you spoke on the confidence parts but i think uh, everybody has that one moment no matter what they're doing if they was playing sports or any type of career field where you got that moment where you knew, all right, I could really pursue this. So, like, what was that moment where you know you had the ultimate confidence to know, like, all right, it's go mode on the music. I know I can go uh, apply pressure on this now. Uh, I think the moment that I felt that I was going to take it serious, this was so long ago, too, like, I done had a bunch of different moments, but the first moment was I had this song called Drop a Bag. And when I put that song out 
and let some of my fans or friends or family hear it. And they was like, this the one. I think that's what kind of sparked that interest to be like, nah, it's time to go. Because right after that song, I kind of was on the time that I was like, yo, I'm about to tour. I'm about to do this. I just went and invested in all his merch to go sell stuff, CDs, T-shirts. Like, that was the point in my life where I was like, oh, no, it's all or nothing. Because I didn't quit working. I said I wasn't doing nothing else. I'm going to make music work. So I just went and spent all my money on merch and CDs and T-shirts and dog tags and necklaces and stickers and uh, socks and, like, just merch. Every, every dime that I had, spent it all on merch and said, oh, yeah, I got to sell it now. And... That's how I know this is for me, you know, and it worked. We we went on our first tour. Uh, we went down to Myrtle Beach, and I probably made, like, $25,000 in, like, two days because I was grinding. You know anything about Black Bike Week, that's what was going on down there when we went. Like, we sold out everything in two days, and it was, like, that's what really made me be like, oh, yeah, it's up from here. We just never stopped after that point it was like this works you know nobody could tell me that it didn't you know and from there we ain't look back well, yeah absolutely man it's always uh good to um hear you know people moments when they uh decide to bet on themselves you know what i'm saying take that leap of faith yeah. no that was a major leap of faith because during that time it was like the job that I was working at, they wanted me to, they were trying to make me from a regular uh, employee to a manager and all type of stuff. And I was just like, that same day they told me that, I'm telling them like, I'm actually putting in my two weeks notice. Like, I'm out of here. I ain't going to be doing this no more. And they like, all right. And I gave everybody in the company that was there a CD, a t-shirt and was like, Wish me well, you know, and that was like a moment to me letting myself know, like, it's all or nothing at this point. Like, I'm walking away from making, I think I was probably making $9 and something to, they were trying to give me a raise for like $18. And the craziest part is when I came back home, I was telling my man, because he was working for another company, and I think he was only making like $13, $14 an hour, and he like, Bro, you telling me you just turned down $18 to talk about you about to rap? He <laughs> like, you tripping. I'm like, all right, Red. And now it's, it's just so crazy how the tables turn. Like, now he's an entrepreneur, and we just moving on a whole different Richter scale. But nobody could see that type of a lifestyle coming from, we all come from working backgrounds, you know? And it's like, if you're going to go from that to this, it's a whole transition. And I think it was the best move for me because it, it not only made me better, but I've made so many other people entrepreneurs and, and put so many other people on in different situations in different areas. I can't, I can't say anything, but it was the best move I could ever done. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you spoke on being uh, independent. So, uh, was you signed to a major label if it made sense, or would you just stay how you doing it right now? Yeah, I don't think I want to sign to a major label. 
I think more of a partnership agreement type of situation is where I'm at with it um, as far as when it comes to the music and the advancement of what I'm trying to do because it's not really too much that I'm looking for when it comes to music for myself. Now, what I do some type of partnership or some type of agreement to where I have a label deal to where I could put other artists on and give them what they're looking for, that kind of makes more sense for me than for me to have a traditional type of deal just based off of look at where I've gotten to and look at where I'm at. And I'm not, like I said, into music for to be the biggest superstar, to be the guy who had the biggest deal or this, that, and the third. It's like, that's not really where I'm at with it. I'm, I've am i already accomplished a certain level of fame. I've already accomplished a certain level of money. I already have business behind me. I'm already established as an artist. For me to give up everything that I've done to get a little bit more, I just can't see it. I'm not in that position. I've I've done things and enough to, I'm not the struggling starving artist trying to get up and get out. I'm already up and out. I'm three homes in. I'm five cars in. I'm you know what I'm saying? Everything that I want in, there is nothing really they can do for me but probably make me more popular. But what does that mean to how popular I am already? What does that mean to what relationships I've built already? So I think it's more of it would have to be some type of a partnership that they understand that I'm a business as well. I'm not like the artist that's looking to get on. I'm more I'm I already put myself on to a certain extent. So I would love to partner up with somebody and maybe get other artists that I know we're going to change their lives because I know what it takes and I know what they're looking for. And I know a bunch of talented people that they need a deal to be able to get to where they want to get to, whether they stay in it for three years or two years or one year or 10 years, but they'll never put in the work and the grind and the consistency and the longevity 10 years plus of just grinding to do it independently the way that I did. Absolutely. So um, as far as uh, shows, uh, what's the biggest show you've done so far? Uh, the biggest show probably been the Barclays Center in New York. Um, it was probably like 20,000 in attendance. Um, that was last year. Um, I just recently did Trina's Festival. That was a pretty big one. Um, I've done a lot of shows in a lot of different places um, in Vegas and Cali. Uh, I, I've done a lot of different things from school tours to all types of different situations. But I would say the top one right now would probably be uh, the Barclays Center. And then I forgot the BET Awards. Like I, I performed there. Uh, so I haven't had a lot of different accolades as far as performances. And I mean, I just get better and better every time and love it even more. Yeah, I can feel that. Uh, so as far as your recording process now, uh, how often do you go to the studio now? Is it like a vibe type thing or do you try to go every day? Yeah, um, recently, since I've been pushing living the moment, uh, it's more been a vibe type of situation where 
another artist is looking for a feature or something of that nature for me to get to the studio. Um, because right before I dropped Living a Moment, um, my process was crazy. Like coming into 2020, I recorded 90 songs in 90 days. Like that's the type of time I was on. I was going to the studio every day and I did that process 2020. And then once COVID hit, a lot of stuff changed. So I was just recording all the time at the house or with my mans. So we was just doing that. And then when I dropped Living in the Moment, that's when COVID was kind of coming over with. And during that time of when I did drop all those songs and I I was on the tour and the tour got shut down because of COVID, um, once I came back, I was like, I'm going to just push one song because I had already done the oh, I got to drop consistently and I got to do this and I got to do this. I got to get the people content and content. I was like, all of those things work, but now it's time to focus on one. What do you want to be known for? And when I came with Living a Moment, I just felt like that was one of the greatest songs of all times, like because of the content and the, the lyrics and what it stands for and the way that I even went to shoot the video. Like I got my grandmother in it and my family in it. Like I don't, really know where I can top that at because I know what to my legacy that means to my career you know I've had fans and different people who I've ran into and friends and family that I've built over the time during and doing music but I feel like living a moment changed the demographics and the nature of who I was as an artist because it was a pop slash hip hop record that it crossed me over to so many different genres and brought so many different people to my wave that it took my fan base to a whole nother level. So the average person right now knows me for living the moment. So it's like I could have a hundred other songs, which I do have out there on many different platforms, but what the people know me for is living a moment because of not only the marketing I've done with it because of the, the video that I shot for the the contents of the song, the wave, you know, and everything else. Like that's kind of what happened. Oh, absolutely. So take me back to Detroit, man. Describe the music scene up there in Detroit, man, in your hometown. And uh, as far as, you know, local artists, do they collab and things like that? Yeah, um, Detroit is different when it comes to the music, for sure. Uh, the reason why I left Detroit uh, was because during the time when I was there doing the music, when I came home, it was a small, closed market. Like, you only had a couple of people really doing something that was like next level. When you talk about the Dej Loves, the Big Shines, the Eminem, like those are the people who had made it at that given moment. This is nine, almost 10 years ago. So when you're thinking about that, you had to look at the, the market like, okay, it was everybody for themselves. And it was more of no, not really much collaboration. Whoever had a wave, they was really had the wave and they was holding on to their titles. It was very entitlement to it, you know. Today, when you look at Detroit, it's like, it's back to almost Motown area where it's a bunch of people popping off, you know, thanks to somebody like T Grizzly, 
who really started a way for that Detroit sound and that culture to come out the way that it's working that now the Detroit sound is almost universal. So you got the iceberg vessels, the baby face rays and, you know, the PZs and everybody else that had certain waves, but they didn't never make it out of the city during that time because it hadn't broke the market into the industry. Now, once he broke into the industry, it changed the game for everybody to be able to come out and be more stronging artists that's standing with the industry. You feel me? So that's kind of how it was. And now it's a lot of collabs happening. Now it's a lot of friction coming through Detroit. It's a heavy movement. Like, but when I was coming up, you know, you had the cash out doughboys and you know, you had uh uh a few other artists that was doing things like really well in the city but they didn't really make it outside of the city and that was the the hardest thing like people like cash kid and those type of people these people was lit when it come to detroit culture but if you took them to la or to texas or to miami or to new york it was like do those names ring bell during that time then it was mainly a city thing but now these guys are all around the country. You feel me? They touring and going places and doing things. The snap dogs, like people like that, it they took it to another level now. So now Detroit culture is 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 here. You know, it's it's a it's a force to be reckoned with right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I like a lot of Detroit artists, man. I know uh, Ice Revezo was just up here this past Saturday in Louisville, man. I went and seen yeah. him. Yeah, he stay in Louisville. Like he he stay out there for shows. Like he be out there all the time. But he be a little bit everywhere all the time. He 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 didn't he didn't I didn't see him come a long way, man. And I've been rocking with him for so long. Like me and him got a song together too. But it's like we've been rocking with him way before I ever was doing music. You feel me? So it's like this is like seeing him where he at. It's, it's a good feeling because it's like he he didn't stay consistent. He didn't stay working, you know, through the trials and tribulations. Like he didn't had to go through things and learn certain lessons, but he's still here. He's still rocking and rolling. So you can't do nothing but respect somebody grinding like that. Absolutely. So um, as far as uh, artists, uh, I know you worked with a lot of artists, but do you got any artists uh, that you haven't worked with that you want to work with? Um, it's a lot of artists that I haven't worked with, uh, directly as far as features. Um, but I've worked with a lot of people on different events and different stages and different things of that nature. But, um, some of the people that I definitely want to work with one day is the, you know, the Little Waynes, the Drakes, the Kendrick Lamars, the Dr. Dre, Diddy. Rick Ross, like, I want to, it's going to come, you know what I'm saying? But I want it to be from me being at the standpoint of me still being an independent artist, being able to do somewhat, if you can mimic of what Nipsey kind of did already, you feel me? Like, he came from that independent standpoint and made certain things happen independently that, it was just, it. I couldn't even explain how big it was going to get, you know? And we knew how big it was going to get because we seen the momentum of his career growing rapidly, you know? And that's kind of where I look at myself, like, 
I want to eventually work with those type of guys that are A-list, B-list, C-list celebrities that, you know, set a standard for being independent and actually being able to touch the same type of uh, algorithms and systems that these same people that signed because of their situations had to do or did based off of what they wanted to do. So it's a lot of the guys that I still want to work with, you know, Jay-Z and, you know, Yo Gotti. Like, it's it's who it's a lot of people, you know, that I'm in my mind calculating that the right amount of time is going to just put everything in its line and it's going to happen. I don't think that is nobody I'm not going to work with that I want to work with. I just know that it's a timing thing and I just got to allow the time to come. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So for uh for all your fans out there, uh when you're not doing music, just explain some things you like doing in your spare time. Um, in my spare time, I still play basketball from here to there. Um, I be with my family a lot. I got five kids, so they definitely are a huge pack of my life. Um, I'm with my wife a lot. Uh I just chill for the most part. Um, I'm not too big into movies and things of that nature. So it's really just mainly like family and my hobbies is like sports when it comes to like uh, basketball. I'm not playing football or baseball or none of that type of stuff at this point in my life. So it's like mainly just some basketball and I might jump on a video game from time to time. But those be the main two things outside of my family. Like that's my main focus outside of doing music. Okay. So uh, short and long-term goals, what do you want to accomplish? Short-term goals um, for this year, I kind of put myself in the bag that I wanted to do mainly just like festivals and concerts for this year. Um, get away from, kind of the club scene as much because I've been doing the clubs for so long. Uh, and then long-term goals, I think next year I really want to go overseas and I want to do a whole tour overseas and take my family overseas and stay over there for maybe a year or two and just figure out new things and new cultures and new lifestyles because uh, for me to be where I'm at as an artist, I think I've accomplished a lot of things for an independent artist or an A-list artist when you talk about musically or uh, accolades of things that you wanted to do. So I think that my next phase long-term is uh, going overseas for a little bit. And then I plan on actually getting the record label off the ground and putting some new talent on uh, just based off of the timing. It's like, I got a lot of artists around me that, I want to help and I know I can help, but it also comes down to I understand the budget and how much it takes. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the guys, they're not in the financial position to do what I did independently. So for me to be able to help them in realistic terms, it's like, bro, we really need a budget. But it's hard for me to try to give you my budget when I'm still an artist as well. So. I'll have them just learning, you know what I'm saying? Be around me to soak up the game and learn and understand, like still do your music, 
but just know to push it the way that you want to push it and take it to the levels you want to take it to, it's going to cost you. It's going to take a bag. You know what I'm saying? And I've built up a lot of the relationship that may cut your bag in half or may cut it three-fourths, but you still going to need that three-fourths of that half to put up to be able to do it on the level that you want to do it at and be comfortable or somebody like me has to believe in somebody and have the bag to be able to do it. And that's going to come from a standpoint of me running a record label and getting a budget and being able to actually put this stuff out there for another artist to do. But that's long-term. I don't plan on uh, doing music myself too much. I want to be a Diddy or, you know what I'm saying? Somebody who I'm coming out of Jay-Z. I'm coming out to, support or rick ross you feel me i'm not still dropping singles and hits and albums and this that, and the third like i want to put out an album and then that'll be what it is and after that then i'm giving it to the guys you know i want because i see that they're gonna get more from it than me because i did all the hard work i did all the long nights and no sleeps and you know grinding and hustling and figuring everything out that me getting more famous or me getting more money from the music is not it's not a big deal to me it's like i didn't seen it all you feel me and i know what it feels like but i know that i can change some people's lives because whether they want the fame or they want the money i know how to get that for them and if i do it the right way i'm gonna change a bunch of people's lives not only that artist or that person that's facilitating that artist i'm talking about their families and their next to kins and their best friends and they're down the lines you know that's more so where i'm at with it it's a legacy for me versus anything absolutely yeah you'd be uh when all your artists put out their projects, all the thing you'll be doing is doing a couple features if they ask for them, you know what i'm saying <laughs> ad libs or something step out on the stage you know what I'm saying? turn up with them that way Versus it being me actually going and jumping on the stage and doing that. I didn't done enough stuff. Like I didn't been on tours and all types of stuff. So it's not like it's nothing that I'm necessarily looking for. It just didn't happen the traditional way. You know, I'm at the point where another artist that may have been signed and did a year or two years. Now they trying to get out of it. I'm at that point to where it's like, I never got signed, but I did everything that this, new artists that signed would have done or or is trying to do from the independent tours and all of that type of stuff like i didn't did it you feel me and i think i'm at that point where it's like okay i got what i wanted out of it um i got the one that i needed and now it's time to take this and go overseas with it tour overseas for a little bit come back and put a couple of people on absolutely so uh, I know you uh, spoke on doing more festivals and things like that for 2023. Do you got anything else coming for 2023 that you are going to be uh, doing? Yeah, I'm actually uh, working on my documentary. Uh, I'm about to put out a documentary this year. And I'm going to put out uh, one of my books. I got three books that I wrote. Um put out one of them this year as well. Uh if it works out, it may be two books. You know, I may do one by the summer and one by the winter. So it just depends on how how that process works. I'm learning that process right now uh, about putting out a book independently. Um, and then, like I said, the documentary, I'm doing that as well. 
the documentary gonna show a lot of people a lot of stuff and it's gonna take a lot of people through some stuff that they ain't like you you could hear me talk about me all day long but this is my family my friends my associates my business partners and my uh people who also are artists and this is them being able to speak on how they know me and what they know me for and the lifestyle that they know me for and everything that I've done. And it's like, this this documentary is gonna open a lot of people's eyes as to who I really am. Cause I could speak highly of myself all day long. But when you hear 50 other people from my grandmother all the way to my associate that I do music with, speaking on my behalf, over a course of a timeline, it's gonna show people like, dang, this is crazy. Like they're gonna understand why I feel the way I feel about being independent. Absolutely. So um, I start asking people this question and it's like a, a legacy question. So uh, uh, how do you want people to perceive you? How do I want people to perceive me? Um, Just basically, a cool dude, you know what I'm saying? Somebody who believed in themselves no matter what the situation was. Somebody who understood that you could be down a hundred points and come back because of the simple fact that it's your determination, it's your dedication, it's your motivation. It's the factor of you gonna get up every day and do something to better yourself with or without the help of anybody else. You're gonna look at yourself and look at the things around you and take the opportunities to make things happen in a better way to change your family and the nature of what you come from. And as long as you can remember that at the end of the day, nothing is impossible and that really all things is possible, I really feel like one day someone's gonna show us how to fly from their own human capabilities. No aftermarket anything on them because there is really that type of will determination. We've seen people break records every day. We've seen people break running records, basketball records, football records, soccer records, speed records, we music records, like this stuff is happening every day. So I just want everybody to understand that I'm the type of person that if you can get anything from me, just know that believing in yourself is going to do something for you in the long run. Maybe in that short amount of time, you're not going to understand it. But in the long run, you're going to see that you're going to touch so many people without even trying at this point. At this point, I'm not even trying. It's just a part of me. It's my DNA. It's almost like it's in my DNA, like the back of my hand. I know what I'm going to do even when I'm not gonna do it. It's like, I don't need a blueprint. I am the blueprint. I'm creating the blueprint. I'm making this system that works for me. And I think that's what people need to understand about me is that they're no different than me. You can make your own blueprint. You you got the same 24 I got. You got the same 365 I got. Don't let nobody cheat you out of your time. Absolutely, I can feel that. So uh, give me your Mount Rushmore, man. Give me your top five uh, most influential people, you know, that's that mean the most to you. You know, like it could be 
hip hop artists. It could be family members or or whatever. However you want to do it. Okay. Uh, the top five people. I would start with my grandmother as number one. Um, my second would probably be my wife right now. Um, my third would be my kids. I would put all my kids as number three. Um, number four, I would say Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and number five, I would say, Hmm. Who else? I would say DMX. Okay. So um explain on those last two, the first three that that's kind of self-explanatory, but explain the last two, uh DMX and uh Martin Luther King. Um, why I picked Martin Luther King was because when I look at life, right, and I be trying to understand how things work and why things are what they are. And for a long time, I always thought it was about money. I always thought it was about who had the most power or who had the most this and the third. And learning and understanding what Martin Luther King stood for and why he did what he did and what he changed for the culture and the people of humanity in itself, it's so impactful that it's kind of hard to not understand how so many other people don't get it because this man didn't die rich. He didn't die as the most powerful person that moved mountains as far as like strong arming power. This man took a concept and changed the thought process of people all over the world to believe that you could be nonviolent. You could get people to come together as a unity, whether it was race related, gender related, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like that's something that's so impactful that I don't think people really understand what he stood for and what he did and how that it really changed the world without them understanding that he didn't die like no super rich person. He didn't die as no person who was doing it because he wanted people to think of him as famous. He's one of the most famous people that we know of, but it wasn't named fame for him. It, that wasn't what he was going for. So that's why when I say most impactful, that's one of them situations. Um, so that's my explanation for the Martin Luther King. The DMX situation. Um, I met DMX in person um, for his movie. And just to understand who he was versus what I grew up knowing him as. Now, as big as he was of me knowing him on TV and seeing the concerts and the world tours and all of the great things he did, right, as a music artist or what it was portrayed to as a music artist, when I actually sat around this man and talked to him and we talked about family and we talked about 
him growing up and the things that he had to overcome and the things that I had to overcome and having that heart to heart with him, that kind of made me look at him in a whole different world to understand the humanity in him and to understand what type of person he really was because it's something completely different that the TV or the music showed you of him. And to understand that part about him and to understand he was a God-fearing man and to see where he was at in real life versus what I knew him for, he's one of the most impactful people in my career because it made me look at everything so differently. Like, okay, you can see something one way because that's how you grow up on it. Now, that's not saying that the Jay-Zs and the Diddy's and the these people probably are the same thing, but I've never sat down and had a conversation and converse, converse with them to get to know them the way that I did with him. And it was in a short amount of time to where I left an impression with him that he was telling his family, like, yo, we need to be around him more. Like, he started taking me in as, like, somebody who he could speak on highly of, and that kind of is very impactful to me for my career, knowing that this is the legendary DMX that we're speaking on. You feel me? And that all happened in that short amount of time, and then he passed away, and I was like, dang, yo, and that kind of threw me for a loop. Like, it was just so crazy. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, when things like that happen, you know, is either A, God showing you a certain thing that you need to see for you to grow or be it's one of them things that you learn from and you understand what life is really about you know and I'm very much with understanding and and I'm very spiritual and energy based and to know that that happened in that short amount of time and then all of these things started happening around it based off of that situation I think that that is why that's one of the most impactful things to me outside of my first answers. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that's something we have in common. I'm a real big uh, spiritual person too. You know, like a lot of stuff that's been uh, happening to me recently uh, has been spirit led and uh, prophesied to me. So, you know, I'm real big on that type of stuff too. And I, pay attention to a lot of um, things like that. No, for sure, because that's what it's about now. You know, it's like at one point I wasn't that way. You know, I was lost and I, I was searching for myself and my identity and what the world meant and what everything around me meant. And knowing that and understanding where I'm at today is like, man, this is a whole nother world. It's a whole nother world. Once you get into that mindset and you understand what the Bible is teaching, what God is doing in your life on an everyday basis, I mean, I couldn't ask for nothing more, man. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's what's bigger than that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, closing remarks, man. Anything else you want to say to the people that you got going on and let people know how to keep up with your social media and things like that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I would just, like I said earlier, let the people know, like, believe in yourself. Um, take 
things to the level that you want it to go. Don't let people set your bar for you. You know, a lot of the times uh, people will say certain things or do certain things based off of their own failures or their own limitations that they've set for themselves. And they may put that off on you and you not even know it because they're telling you you can't do something or something can't be done because they can't do it. So just know that if you believe in yourself and you know that you can actually accomplish anything, I mean, go for whatever it is. Live your dreams. Live out your life. Don't let life live you at the end of the day because it will. It's it's only two ways it work. Either you're going to live your life or life is going to live you. And if you allow it to do that, it's going to do it every time. And I just want to let everybody else out there know, like, I appreciate everybody from the fans to the family to the fans to everything, all the supporters, everybody that's paying attention to my movement and my campaign and how I move. Like, I just hope that I'm inspiring people to do bigger and better things and to stay consistent and to stay grinding and for people to realize that I'm no different than them. I might have had some of worse situations than some of the people that are in some people never been through some of the things that I have been through some people never come from the things that I've come from so for me to get here it's because of pure determination and pure dedication and I want people to understand that they are me I am them and they can do anything that they really want to do at the end of the day they have to just believe long as you believe you're going to achieve it and outside of that Y'all can keep up with me at NPR underscore Richie, R-I-C-H-E underscore Rich. And that's on all social media platforms. I don't care what it is that you're looking for. And if you just so happen cannot find me there, I got a really good way to find me. If you go check in your attic, you go check in your basement, you go check on the street corner, you go check in the backyard, I'm somewhere. Just look for me. You're going to find me. I'm not hiding. I'm always outside. I'm always somewhere to be found. And I'm just everywhere. And I want to be everywhere because I want to be able to inspire people to do better. Absolutely, man. Uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. You know, uh, anytime uh, you want to come on the show, uh, you just let me know. And we can set it up. You know, I don't just uh, do interviews. I talk about uh, real stuff too, as far as just, um, police brutality, uh, you know, uh, child support, 50 50 relationships. Should you kick your kid out of 18 years old? A lot of topics I know people gonna come across at some point in their life, you know what I'm saying? I like to speak about things I know people gonna encounter at some point, you know. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. We're gonna definitely set up another one and talk some some real stuff. This was a great introduction uh, interview. And I think this is where you start at. You let the people know, and then we come back and we give them some of the real stuff. Cause I'm, I'm deep like that too. So <laughs> I, I, I stop at topics and thinking about it and would love to talk about it. So yeah, we definitely going to do a follow-up and we're going to let the people know, like, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's all about to me, what is the point of having all of this knowledge and going through all of these things if you're not sharing it with somebody or someone else because you never know who's paying attention, you know? Say I thought 
or felt as if I needed 5 million followers to ever speak for the first time. I had to start with zero. I had to build that up. And to be able to do that, it was just based off of somebody needs to hear my story. Somebody needs to hear what I know. Somebody needs to feel what I feel because you never know who you're going to help because everybody that I name, they help me in a different way, whether they think that they help me or not. That's how I was able to name them because their stories and their things are being written and documented for me to have something to go based off of. So it would be a disservice for me not to leave this same type of stuff for somebody else because I don't know who I'm helping. I don't know when I'm helping them. All I know is that I'm doing it for a reason. And if that reason serves its purpose, they will be helped. Absolutely, man. Platforms is uh, very important, man. I was uh, talking to, uh, I did a podcast yesterday with this community activist here in Louisville and, uh, we was talking about uh, um, as I get older and get more mature to mind, I kind of start to lose respect for some of the people that I adored for certain things. Like when exactly. I look at what I looked at, look at people like you know the Boosies and the little Dirts and stuff like that. You know, great artists. You know, I like their music and things like that, but. The reason I had brought them up in the episode yesterday, because I was just was thinking, I was like, you know, all this stuff that's been going around the internet here recently about this street culture and stuff. And I'd be like, man, these dudes have so much influence on our culture. And for them to have that much influence on our culture and for them to not go on a platform and say, hey, I got millions of dollars. When I get done talking to y'all or y'all see this short video on Instagram of me just being goofy or whatever, I got an 8,000-foot square house. I'm, I got a butler that's going to cook me some steak and lobster. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a street dude no more. So I just be kind of like, I understand everybody has a process, too, because, you know, when you first come out, you're going to rap about, you know, the stuff that you just came from. So you know, that you have to go through that healing process of what you went through and things like that. But I just feel like when you far, far removed from it, 15 years, 20 years, I just feel like you just kind of scratching it at that point. And I just feel like, you know, you putting a unrealistic uh, image to immature minds because uh, of teenagers, their minds is not fully developed and they don't know what they want to be yet. And they thinking that you still out there sliding or doing whatever. And I'm like, bro, this dude is going to Jamaica five times a year. He getting pedicures and stuff. Like, he ain't out here in no hood, man. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, I wish they would just be more vocal about that versus, you know, just letting the music just sit there and then be a gray area. You just thinking like, oh, this dude just – Again, like he and I'm not saying these dudes weren't street dudes or gangsters at some point in their life. I'm just saying, like right now, ain't none of those dudes doing the stuff that they had to do when they came up. So I just feel like the people with influence need to put more emphasis on that, so they can know, like, hey, you know, I came from that, but 
I'm not, I don't want to go back to that. And there's a reason why, you know, I did certain things. I dedicated myself to a craft to where I could put me and my family in a certain position to where I don't have to do those things no more. No, facts. And I think we all know that, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's, it's always that weird situation. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's hard to even say what one should do or how it should go, because it's the same thing. Like, you know, when the future with the popping pills and all of that, like, at least they still come out and say, hey, I don't do none of this stuff. I rap about this because this is what sounds good. But it's like for certain people to try to stand on it as if they still trapping like Gucci Man was trapping back in the day or Jeezy was trapping back in the day. If For them to try to make it as if that's what they're still doing, it's almost like it's a disservice. Yes, you can have good music, but you can still give the realistic credibility of where you're at today it's even like with my music it's like i don't rap the same way i was rapping 10 years ago i'm not in the same position i'm not rapping about coming out the streets and coming out the hood and coming out i'm rapping about houses and fancy cars and flying across seas it's two different worlds and a lot of people don't want to grow from it because they fan base don't want to grow from it but it's still even if you're gonna rap the same you still let the people know by explaining to them that's not your realistic life today. That's just what you from. You still a street dude. You still come from the streets. But today, the last time you did something street was 15, 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And it's like they try to make it like they just slid yesterday. Come <laughs> on now. <laughs> that's just crazy. And you can't sit here and try to tell people to stand on some principles that you know is not realistic to today's society. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I look at it, I'm like, bro, and I don't want to just say, you know, dudes because going to go, go out this way. But I'm like, bro, you're a multi-billionaire. You've been afforded all these things in life. If these people come up to you right now, you 40 years old. These dudes come up to you right now and say, hey, we about to give you a 50 ball. That's basically life. Like, we finna give you 50 ball, gonna knock you up out of here. And you and and you and you still gonna be screaming, hey, no, 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 I'm standing on, I'm like, bro. No, you're not, bro. You can say that in all the interviews, but I'm like, bro, you might sit down for about two or three years, but once that once that time start going by, you gonna you gonna you gonna do it. You gonna start. You gonna you gonna figure something out. I ain't gonna say you gonna you gonna snitch it, <laughs> but you gonna you you gonna find a way to get out of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, you don't, you don't, you don't taking that on the chin at forty. You, you have to. <laughs> nah, for real though. But it's just like you know, a lot of this stuff is just I I look at it and. I look at it as entertainment, entertainment, you know, that's what it is to me. It's like a lot of the stuff these people saying and a lot of the situations they bringing up is entertainment. They, they trying to prosecute people for saying stuff when they was 12 and 13 and now they're 30 and y'all trying to say, Oh, they a snitch cause of that. And it's like, these folks was telling somebody, 
a murder happened when they was 12 years old. They didn't know no better to say they wasn't going to say nothing. This was their friend or they family. So when they be bringing stuff like that up, I just be like, bro, this is just insane what y'all trying to do. And the dumbest thing is, too, is like the dead people. Like, if this dude dead, like, what are we talking about? Like, like, bro, yeah, yeah, snitching on him. Like, he ain't breathing no more. What are we talking about? Like, I'm not, he, I'm not hurting him. In, I'm not hurting him in no way possible. You know, what I'm saying? like, what are we talking about? You like, I, I would like to put these dudes in situations. And be like, all right, you finna get fifty years, but if you tell on this dead person, we'll let you out right now. You is not finna go do those fifty years. I don't care how screech you are. I don't give. Nobody's gonna do it. <laughs> Nobody's gonna do that. They, they, they capping. That's what I'm saying. It's like, bro, it's just some of the stuff I just don't even be common understand in it because it just be like everybody know what 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 somebody gonna do in that situation. Everybody know whether you say you wouldn't or not. I gotta see you in that situation, and you gotta do that, and then. My respect for you gonna be lost either way because now you are irrelevant anyway. If you go do 50 years, you're irrelevant anyway. What are we gonna talk about? He was the hardest nigga because he took the rap to do a 50 book. Come on, man. You sound crazy. That's so what did it matter? Hey. Hey, people, people had criticized me on Facebook and then they came back like three months later and said, You a genius. But I told him, I was like, bro. Six nine is probably the realest dude out of all these dudes. I was like six nine, basically told everything, but he he gave you a reason why you told him. When I sat down and listened to him, I'm like, I ain't gonna lie, I kind of feel him on what he said. I'm like, bro, if I'm taking care of six dudes, paying all their bills, they ain't got nothing. All they they run around on tour with me, they seeing the world. Then they go, they 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 book a million dollars in shows with fake shows. I gotta pay that money back. They don't hit my girl. Then they don't hit me with these charges that these dudes was doing. That's cause I got the name and they expect I'm finna sit down for 30 years. Like, no, sir. <laughs> yeah. So like it that's why I say it's just so many scenarios and situations, bro. Like we come from a culture that you're not supposed to snitch. We come from a culture where you're not supposed to do this, that, and the third. And I understand that, and I stand on a lot of that stuff. And even when I did my case, it, it was just me, you feel me? But at the same token, as an adult and understanding, learning life from what I thought life was about then to knowing what life is about now, Everybody knows life has changed so much from what we thought was what it was. That's why we're not hustling the same. We're not grinding the same. We're not doing. That's why you got way more people trying to do positive things and do something to have a career versus doing something that's idiotic. Like, that's just what it is. You learn and you grow up. You got dudes who was hustling all their lives. They turn 30, 40. They going to go get a corporate job because that ain't it no more. So you got to understand that as you grow older and you get to an adult phase where you understand life, and now you got children and you got situations and you got responsibility, you're not thinking the same. You're not thinking, you're, you're blocked that 
didn't do anything for you does not hold the same standards as your kids and your wife and your family, your responsibilities no more. So it's like these people are just lost. And it's like they keep leading more people to be lost for no reason when y'all could keep it real and be like, okay, that was a crazy situation. And I just don't know what I would do in that situation. Not that, no, I'm standing on it. I would never do. You don't know what you would do in that situation because clearly you saying something that Everybody else going to say, if you facing 50 and your dead partner gone, what you going to do? Everybody else is saying, I'm going to tell on my dead partner. But y'all saying, no, I ain't going to tell on nobody. I'm going to just take the 50. Well, let me put you in that scenario and see what you're going to do. Because I'm not standing on you saying it and you're not in that scenario. That's cap. And to be real, a lot of dudes, the most gangster dudes that got the most street cred, all of them got fall guys. So I'm like, y'all ain't doing that time. Y'all got somebody around you like, hey, you didn't take that. And it all really comes down to one thing. If we're going to be real, if you know you did something, what's gangster is accepting your charge. What's not gangster is looking around being like, I ain't do that. Or, or just, or y'all just sit there and don't say nothing. And then now you're looking like, dang, now you got a, your homeboy. He's a D one athlete. He's supposed to be going to the league, but he drove to the corner store with you, and you got all these all these switches in the car, and you even own up to none of the switches. And now he got to go to jail just because you ain't finna own up to it, and he just decided to go to the corner store and get a bubble juice. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, uh, that's, and, that, and that and that's a whole big situation right there that you just said that. Even the, the biggest, you know, and most of these biggest of the guys that's really out here, they got fall guys. So it's like, what do you call that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's it's so terrible because they're not going to say they're a snitch, but you basically put your mans in jail. So what do you call that? You're not snitching on them because he didn't really do it, but you making him take a charge. So is that worse than snitching or is that? Just as equal as snitching. It's like, come on now. It's it's so many scenarios that it's just like everybody wanna win some type of an argument, and that's why it's still going. Cause at the end of the day, it's all irrelevant because nobody knows what nobody's gonna do in that situation unless you're in that situation. And from the results, everybody that has been in that situation has done what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna tell. Like, <laughs> work for artists is too strenuous. Like, we're not having a paperwork party. The whole industry shut down at that point. That's how it's going to go, because all them guys got different scenarios and different situations to where even to the point that they try to make it like, oh, somebody broke into your house, broke into your car. You can't go to the police. Like, <laughs> If you are successful, you telling me you doing a successful business, somebody breaks into your house, you're taking it to the streets, and you're a corporate businessman? Like, no, bro, that's cap. Yeah. It Ain't is, nobody doing that. Some kids get murdered. Some of their kids get murdered. I'm like, bro. That's, that's cap saying somebody broke into Boosie's house and the police ain't coming. You're going to go slide. 
Man. All right. If if we want to believe that, that's cool. He was out there in them Debo slippers with that Versace robe <laughs> on, talking to that, talking to that sheriff, saying, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, he was here at 11:46 p.m. He went through my jacuzzi tub. Like, you know, like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, Oh man, it's just great. I'm like, bro, talking about uh kids. Oh, somebody murdered my daughter. Oh, I'm gonna retaliate. I'm not telling the police. I'm like, bro, are you serious? Like now you now now you lost your daughter and you. What's the point of that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying those thoughts might not cross your cross your mind if you lose somebody that close to you, but but if you got the thing, you're not finna act. You got the right people around you; they not about to let you go slide. Right. So it's either only two ways that's happening: you got a bunch of crazies around you, or you not going to slide. That's the only way it's going to go down. (laughs) If if you ain't got a bunch of crazies around you, you're not going to go slide because your people are not about to let you do that, bro. You're too big of a figure. What you look like stepping out there to go do what? Where? When? How? Because the moment it happens is over all the social media. It's over everywhere. So you already going to be followed. Right. So you can't. So it's like... It's all unrealistic stuff, bro. And that's where these are subjects that it'd be, it'd just be crazy to even talk about. It's like, that's not happening. Nowhere, no how, no way. I ain't gonna lie. If I was on a panel with some of them dudes, I would have to have about five security guards with me because they'd be wanting to shoot, they'd be wanting to shoot the fade with me. Cause I would be real. I'd be like, Boozy, bro, you're not taking, bro. you're not taking, <laughs> yeah, bro. Charleston White, we had everybody. <laughs> Charleston White had everybody. <laughs> but, the, but, but he is so, like, he be telling facts. And the most realest thing I ever heard him say, and people don't still, it went over people's head. He was like, when I went to Nipsey Hustle funeral, he said, I seen Aramis in that casket. He said his family was grieving over Aramis. They was the world was grieving over Nipsey Hustle. The family was grieving over Aramis. His girl, his government, they like they knew him as just like just like in your in your situation. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like people would know you as NPR Richie Rich, but your family gonna know you as whatever your nickname was or whatever your government name when you was growing up. So like you, he was like you gotta be able to separate that character. He said everybody loves the character so much that they forget the person. And I was like, all right, I understood that. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people idolize the character and they greet the character when these rappers get killed and things like that, but they never think about the person that the family has lost. You know what I'm saying? They think about the person. They're not thinking about oh. He just put out this platinum single. That's your hard. Everybody riding around the corner playing in the, in the neighborhood. They thinking about, oh, when he was six years old, you remember when he peed on himself on the way to school or, you know, it's just some, just some, you know how stuff is when you get around family. Yeah, a, whole different, a whole different world. And that's why I said with that documentary is going to show people a whole different side of me because I got my family speaking on me. And it's leading up to the 
industry stuff. And it's like, get to know me, like the real me to understand the who I am now so that you're not just looking at it as, oh, this guy put out a hit single or this guy putting out a hit album or this guy doing this or this guy's on this big stage. All that's just accolades to this music, but I'm still a human being. I'm still a person with feelings. I'm still a person with character, a person with thought. And a lot of people never talk to me the way that we're talking anyway. So they're only going to see what they hear through the music. So they may get the wrong interpretation or the misconception of who I am because it looks like, oh, this famous person, this lit person, all these followers, all this movement, all this motion. But that don't got nothing to do with me. I have things in there that it's like, okay, they can understand me. My dad's telling a story of me crying for the first time or my sister telling a story of me being a crybaby at one point. That's where the people will understand like, oh, he's a person. He's not just this entity or this being. He's not just Nipsey Hussle. He's Hermes. Like that's what the world be missing a lot of the times. And that's why when I'm doing this documentary, I really want to go and touch every platform with it and really do a real press run and a real release and just go hard with it because I think that the people, they don't really never get to see that part, you know? They only get to see this lit part and it's like, I'm still independent. As lit as I am, I'm still independent. But it's a confusion with how big or how great you're doing because of social media and this presentation but it's like i'm still a person i still had to get it out the mud i still had to go through situations the military prison the hood the lifestyle family friends losses you know what i'm saying games all that is real you know and people don't never really get to see that side and i had to take the time to fly to las vegas to fly to detroit to fly to atlanta and get all of these people to speak and I'm not even in the room to hear what they saying. Like I'm getting this from actually watching a documentary. Like this wasn't nothing where it was, oh, y'all are gonna know the questions or y'all gonna know any of this. Everybody was on the spot, everybody on the spot. So every answer is organic and it's from what they really feel. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm knowing that this documentary gonna change the game to a lot of stuff that people are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the documentary, man, that's a, uh always like a stamp I, I always look at documentaries as like a stamp on your uh life you know uh, yeah. and it's all and it's that uh that um um that dash in between you know on your headstone you know when people pass away is that dash you know that dash <laughs> is from when you was born all the way to when you leave so that documentary be very uh important for people's uh legacies and i'll be uh happy when people be able to put them out you know because some people uh might leave prematurely and then you know sometimes they uh sometimes you know they might have been piecing it up and might not told nobody and then they was able to you know piece up what they did before they left and able to still put something out but sometimes you know some people might miss out on that just because they got took out too early so Exactly. No, and that's why I say it's, it's 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 definitely a great thing to be able to do it, and that's why I say I'm like it's time to 
put it out there and let the people see and understand me from a different angle versus just the recording artist, you know, because they got a lot of people get lost into that part of it, to the performance and to the recording part. And it's like, they forget that I'm a whole family person, a whole someone's son, someone's grandson, someone's brother, someone's nephew, you know what I'm saying? Someone's uncle. And they're going to get to see that in this. And it's going to really let people understand like, oh, this is, this is different. This is deep. Absolutely. Yeah, man, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to like this episode, especially especially towards the end. <laughs> they hit about the, about the screech stuff. I know that's going to crack a lot of people up, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because like you know, people, 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 like people don't want to admit it, but hey, you just got to be real, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie to nobody. I'm like, hey, I I can't take fifty. I mean, unless I just know I did something and I ain't got no way out of it, then it is what it is. But like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) Especially not on somebody who gone already. That's just crazy. Nah, nah. I'm not finna be uh. Sleeping like Debo on Friday at the next with phone books around my waist, phone books on my butt, so nobody don't try to catch me slipping. Nah. That ain't it, trying to tell you. And I done been there, so I know. That ain't (laughs) what they stuck over something stupid. Nah, bro. Give it up. Yeah, absolutely. 